This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we are building a birth kit on our way into episode number 87. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, y'all. This is Kristen from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am so excited to be here today. Um, I'm really looking forward to this week's podcast because it's a topic that I think is a lot of fun to talk about. And sometimes sometimes when I'm teaching and things throughout the week, because I teach uh, parenting classes, I teach birthing classes online, and I'm, I do the periscopes every day. And sometimes I get to talking about topics that are, that are pretty heavy. You know, they're topics that we need to talk about, but they're just, they're pretty intense. And sometimes it's good to talk about something that I think is fun. And so, you know, we'll talk about a few things. Obviously, we're going to talk about building a birth kit, if you couldn't tell from the intro, and some of that's going to be, you know, serious. But it's, I think it's fun. It's one of those nesting things that pregnant women look forward to. So I'm looking forward to this too. Um, And I just... I'm really excited right now because the website, naturalbirthandbabycare.com, just turned 10 years old, which is incredible to think of where it's been. It's incredible to think of where it's going. Um, I've got moms enrolling in mama baby birthing classes every month. That Remember, if you don't know, mama baby birthing classes are my online natural childbirth class, so it's a self-paced class right now. We have open enrollment, so anybody can hop in. If you're interested in that, you can head over to mamababybirthing.com, M-A-M-A, babybirthing.com. What I love the most about Mama Baby Birthing, besides the class and it being self-paced and accessible no matter where you are in the world, and I love how many international students I get, but I mean, I think that's cool. That's really helpful for moms, right? That's one of the reasons why I wanted to do an online class, but also I I teach every week uh, to my students, and I usually teach about a specific topic, kind of like I do here on the podcast, but I also have an open Q&A and students can be there live on that Q&A call and they can ask me their questions right there either on the phone or I also have a little web interface where they can type in the question and submit it if they're if they're shy or if they can't get on the phone and are just listening listening in over the web stream which is totally cool with me so I can answer those questions live or if I've got a mom who knows she won't be able to attend live she emails in her questions and I go over the email questions every week and that just you know that that puts me on fire every week just knowing that I'm really helping moms and then and, and babies and daddies, but I really love helping the moms. And then right after the mama baby birthing class, I teach a parenting class from the Smart Mama Happy Baby Club, and we tackle all kinds of different things, all kinds of different topics that those moms ask about. And it's just so cool to be able to spend my week not only investing in my kids um, and you know my husband and my family, which is obviously, that's my God-given priority, but also I feel so blessed to be able to invest in you and it's just so energizing to me, really. And I'm just, I'm excited to be here. And I'm doing, if you haven't joined me on Periscope, I'm doing the Periscopes four days a week. And that's a lot of fun, too. 
I can really let my hair down sometimes literally. I did one scope where I had just topped out of the shower and decided I definitely need to pull my hair back after that. But it's it's like a video thing. So, you know, I'm literally there on video and I'm able to talk about pregnancy and birth and baby topics. And it's a little more casual because everybody knows that it's live, that it's unscripted, so to speak. Um, and, and it's just fun. It's really fun to be able to share um, and to, to get feedback live. So if you haven't checked out Periscope and you want to hop on there, uh, you can find that at periscope.tv slash birthbabycare. So birthbabycare is my handle on Periscope. Or uh, you can just get the Periscope app on your phone. They have an Android app. They have an iPhone app. Uh, you can download that and then just look for me, Birth Baby Care. And I'm on there at 1 p.m. every Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday. And on Fridays, we do open Q&A. So if you've got a specific question, drop in there. The recordings are up for 24 hours. And Scott, that's my husband, has been helping me to get the recordings up on YouTube and on natural birth and baby care itself too so that we have you know because I'm teaching on a lot of good topics so if you've got a question and I tackle that then that information is going to be there on YouTube or on the website for you to go back and refer to as often as you need it so just I mean there's just so much exciting stuff going on right now and and, and another thing I talked about this a little bit on the end of the last podcast but if you can share, share the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. Share the scopes. If you're if you're following me on Facebook or on Twitter, you know, share there and certainly share naturalbirthandbabycare.com because I just feel like we need to reach so many moms, so many families need to know that they can have a healthy pregnancy, that they can make a difference, that, that birth is something that you can prepare for, that natural birth is something that so many moms can have, and that when we parent our babies, we can do it consciously. We can do it successfully. Breastfeeding can be successful. Parenting, mothering, fathering can be successful. I feel like just for like the last year, my family has gone through an incredible amount of change because we welcomed Sadie. My husband, Scott, was laid off from his kind of corporate America job. And it's just, it's, it hasn't been easy but it's been this incredible experience just looking at things and wondering, you know, you know, how does family work and what's what are our priorities? And I come back again and again and again to family as the priority and just like, you know, pouring what we can into our children. And for me, too, I've said it before. I did a whole podcast on it, but I really feel like my mission is, you know, to pour into my family and then to help families worldwide to make a difference for mamas and babies and I love babies they're so cute obviously I have seven but I really have a heart for you mamas I love daddies too but I have a heart for you mamas and I want to pour into you and help you to to be the mom you want to be to have a good pregnancy to have a great birth to enjoy motherhood and so that's why I'm here and I guess that's just you know, that's that's really what gets me up and kicking in the morning, uh, aside from the thought of all the homeschool adventures that I'm going to have with my kiddos and all the sweet baby kisses I'm going to get from my Sadie. But, you know, just help if you've got a minute. Help share the love by sharing the podcast, sharing the website. Forward one of my email newsletters on to a friend you know is expecting. Share something on Facebook. It, it I really think that it makes a difference, and I really appreciate it. Okay. 
Enough of that. Let's talk now about building a birth kit. This is something, again, I said, it's something that's fun. I think, you know, when we think about preparing for a birth, and, and generally this is, you know, we're going to talk about preparing for a home birth. We're talking about supplies that you want to have on hand for birth, maybe not necessarily packing a hospital bag. I do think that when you look at, um, like, the hospital bag packing guidelines or checklists or something, that's beneficial even for a mom planning a home birth. Not necessarily because you want to plan a bag just in case. I've never actually done that, though I know that makes some home birth moms feel better to do that. I haven't done it, but I do think that some of the tips in there are pretty practical. For instance, having things like chapstick on hand or knowing where your phone charging cables and that sort of thing are is beneficial. But what we're really going to talk about is a birth kit. Now, if you are birthing with a midwife at home, not planning an unassisted birth, there's a good chance that she's going to give you a sheet that has birthing supplies to have on hand, or she may even have like a pre-assembled birth kit that you can order from a birthing supply company. And I'll talk, I'll talk about a supply company's more in just a minute, but In His Hands Birth Supply is the company that I've used for all my babies, and I really like them. So I'll just put that in there. And they also have like some generic pre-made kits that might be beneficial if you're really wondering what you need. But I want to talk about what I think is really needed after having seven babies. So, and that, and that's the question, you know, what do you really need? And what is, you know, what's maybe nice to have or fluff? All right, so let's start with the absolute essential. What is the essential? And I think really that's safety. Now, that's, that's quiet and calm. I don't really want to get too off track because actually in the interview that I did with Star last week, we touched on this pretty pretty heavily. And so you can go back and listen to that interview because it was fabulous. But really, safety is more equal to a quiet, calm place where you feel safe than it is with technology. So that is, I guess that's a paradigm that I really want to encourage all of y'all is technology does not necessarily equate safety, okay? Technology, medical technology specifically, doesn't necessarily equate safety. That's true across the board, but we're especially looking at it in pregnancy and birth. And I'll, I'll even go so far as to say medical testing and technology does not necessarily equate safety. There is a time and a place for testing and for technology, but in general, a lot of this technology and testing has been rushed into, into general use without being thoroughly tested. We don't know what the implications are. There weren't, there weren't enough tests to prove that this stuff was, was harmless, much less to prove that it's, you know, that it's a good idea. So again, I don't want to go off on a tangent, but when I say safety is the most essential thing for you to have with your birth, I do not mean a modernized hospital room with all the bells, whistles, and beeping machines. I mean you need to feel safe in your environment, which generally means quiet, calm, maybe even thinking like the lights down low, but an environment where you feel safe to do your thing. That's what's absolutely essential to to birthing your baby. And I really think you're going to say, you know, Kristen, well, that that's not something that goes in a birth kit. What are you talking about? But that is the most essential piece of your birth kit is for the place where you're giving birth to be conducive to you feeling good and safe about it. Okay. 
Now, I know you really want to know about what you should have on hand. So we can talk about essentials and we can we can talk about like nice to have stuff or even fluff. So recently a blogger, she's a doula, she put out an article on styling your home birth. And it drew a lot of criticism, but you know what? I actually loved that article. Okay, I'll put I'll put a link to her article in the show notes. But it was getting some criticism like, you know, why would I go to all this trouble? Why would I prepare all this stuff? Why would I, because she had, you know, she had like some foods and things set out. She's like, why, why would I put that food out? Or, or, you know, how would I even do that when I was in labor? That's the last thing I'm going to be thinking of. That's the kind of comments that the article was getting. And I just, I don't know. I totally disagree. Why shouldn't we make our home birth fun? Now, if your births go from like zero to 60, like mine do, sure, you may not be setting out a spread of yummy things for your midwives or whomever's going to come over to eat like it's a party, but that's not the only thing she was talking about. You know, she was talking about maybe doing some decorations and things. And we've all seen pictures of moms who have their affirmations hung up, who have like their birthing area set up. That I think that's totally cool. And I, I think that's a lot of fun. And also, I think that if you can make ahead snack trays and that sort of thing and have them in the fridge, even if your birthing time does go from zero to 60, then those are there if you need them or those are there postpartum. And really, I think that in the early stages of your birthing time, if things are moving along, but you still feel good, you know, you need to pause through a rush here and there to breathe, but otherwise you're feeling good and kind of excited, why not put that energy to good use preparing for things? Don't wear yourself out. Certainly get the rest you need. You'll hear me tell that to students all the time in the daytime, you know, yeah, you can go for a walk or yeah, you can scrub your floors or whatever, but don't exhaust yourself. So certainly don't exhaust yourself. But you know, if you want to have little things in your birth kit or, or do birth preparation things like putting up affirmations or little happy birthday or welcome baby banners, or I've heard of moms who bake a birthday cake early in labor for the baby. You know, if you want to do those sorts of things, then I think that's totally fine. I just, I loved the idea of that article. And that, that, that would fit into like, you know, the fluffy stuff that we don't really need. Though I do think that you need to have food, even if you're not going to eat it in labor. You need to have food on hand, and we'll come back to that. But, but let's talk now about what we need for actually birthing the baby. So again, you need quiet. You're probably going to want it dark. You want towels and blankets. Towels are good for absorbing water, so if, you, if you're going to have a tub, they're, they're good, but they're good for wrapping a freshly born babe in or draping over you and a freshly born, born babe. They're good for putting down on the floor or around you. It's just useful to have a pile of clean towels on hand. Blankets are good too. I think that, that it's good to have blankets that are going to fit over baby, maybe not just receiving blanket size, though you can have a few of those. I, I do think it's good to have a few blankets that you don't care as much about uh, in case they stain after the birth from blood or meconium. I found that both of those things actually come out pretty well in the wash. Remember, meconium is baby's first poo, but sometimes they can stain. So you might want blankets that you know you don't totally love, or a baby blanket if you've gotten a particularly precious baby blanket that you can't wait to, to wrap your baby in, but you don't want it necessarily to be stained. You might want to hold off on that one. But have blankets to cuddle the little newbie and the new mama. Not just blankets that will cover baby, but you, mom, need to be kept real warm after baby's birth. So make sure there are blankets 
either on your bed or if you're going to be birthing out front, maybe some blankets um, to put over you while you're out there. And then you can move to the bed however you want to do it. Have the blankets there. I, I also think it's good to have something to take care of the cord. Now, if you're planning to have a lotus birth with your baby, which is where you let the cord dry and fall off on its own, um, then you don't really need anything to cut the cord, but you're probably going to want something to put the placenta in. And I know families use different things, like some people put the placenta just in a bowl, some in a colander inside a bowl. Some people have like a placenta bag that they make specifically for the placenta. And then salt and, and maybe herbs, that's usually done too. We've never done a lotus birth. So I haven't explored it in depth, but I know general things. So you're going to want the lotus birthing supplies. Otherwise, if you're going to go ahead and cut the cord after it stopped pulsing, which is pretty usual, you're going to want something to, sterile to cut the cord. And this might come in your birth kit or if you have a midwife, you know, she might bring this along with her. And then something to either clamp or tie off or band the cord. I've heard of a lot of different things being used for this, you know, like embroidery floss or that sort of thing. I, I think that the best thing for you to do is probably to go to one of those birth supply sites like in his hands and see if you see you know look at the different cord clamping options and see which one you feel like is right for you and your baby again if you've got a midwife attending she might have something that she usually does so you can ask her about that I had like a cord clamp on my first three babies and then the the next day when my midwife came, she would check everything and she would go ahead and take the clamp off. She had like a little tool that was used to to basically break the clamp open. And then that wouldn't be there. And I think, I can't remember if she put something else on there after that because they're 14, 12, and 10, so it's been a while. Uh, but I know that they had that big clamp on there and then it was taken off like the second day when she came back to do her follow-up. With my last few babies, uh, our midwife has actually used a cord bander which they clamp and cut the cord and then they do a little band on there and it's basically like a really tiny rubber band that cinches that cord off and it's not it's not as big and bulky and in the way as a cord clamp is so that's something nice too and then it just the the umbilical cord stump just falls off with that little band on there and baby has a nice belly button so thinking about the cord is a good idea one option one other option for the cord is cord burning I really looked into this and thought strongly about this with Sadie but I didn't end up getting the supplies and everything together for it uh, but I think that cord cord burning is actually something that it seems like you know just a really pretty little ceremony almost um, to help Sarah separate baby from the placenta and you can get like a cord burning kit that has like two shields to help keep baby safe from the heat of the candle. Um, and then there's usually like a cord burning box that you do it over. You drape the cord over it. And cord burning is nice because you don't really have to worry about sterilization because you're burning the cord which cauterizes the wound. Usually the cord's left a little bit longer so that it's a little farther away from baby. But this is actually something, too, that's safe for, for families who are birthing in, in the third world or if you're somewhere like um, if you're serving with an NGO or a missionary or something and sanitation is an issue, cord burning is definitely something to look into as a safe option. So that's, that's the supply that you're going to look for for what to take care of baby's cord. 
Another thing that I think is really important to have during a birth is Chucks pads, which those are those blue absorbent pads. Some people call them blue pads. You can get them from a birthing supply place like In His Hands Birth Supply. Again, that's where I've gotten all my baby's birth kits from, so that's why I mention them, but they're not the only place in the business. You can look for others. I just, I love, I love their service and their birth kits. So that's who I mentioned, but you can get the blue pads from them, or you can buy them from, if you've got like a medical supply shop locally, uh, you can get those there. Uh, or there, you can just go to Walmart and buy like a bag of puppy pads. They're basically like these incontinence pads for, for puppy training, for house training. And they're usually green. Sometimes you get them green even from the birthing supply place or from the medical store. Now, what I've noticed is that puppy pads tend to be more expensive, like a bag of those puppy pads, I guess, because they know that pet owners aren't going to be buying a lot of them. They're more expensive, whereas if you get them from like a birth supply place, they're really inexpensive, like cents, um, cents on the dollar kind of thing, inexpensive. But if you don't want to have to order out or you want to look local, that's something. But these, they're absorbent mats and they're disposable. So you can have a few of them spread out under you. If you're sitting on your birth ball, you can have one under you. If you're in the bed or whatever, you can have one under you. I think um, I, I birthed the placenta for Sadie on a birthing stool, and I think they actually had one kind of over the birthing stool because it was wooden and cold. And so they put one of those pads over the stool so that it, it would, you know, it's got like a cotton surface on top and the waterproof surface is underneath so that I had that softer cottony surface and then we're going to come back and talk about them postpartum too because they're really useful to have postpartum another thing is is um is right after the birth if uh if you don't have a towel nearby or something or if you're worried the baby seems really wet or chilled uh they'll they'll absorb liquid off of baby real quick i think the best place for baby is on your chest under a towel but that is something to think about in fact we were advised when we have goats here at our house we were advised that when our goats were getting ready to kid in the spring last year to have some of those pads in case uh, some kids were being, in case one of our mama goats was not paying attention to a kid or something and it needed to be dried off, that those were really good idea to have. So, you know, they're useful if you're a small homesteader too. But anyways, okay, so Chuck's pads are something next. Then kind of expanding on this concept I think it's good to have something waterproof like a waterproof mat a mattress protector a clear shower curtain an oil cloth something along those lines something waterproof that can be thrown on the floor or over the bed again that gives you a lot of freedom that no matter where you're going to be no matter where you're birthing um, if you've got a birthing tub you might want to a couple of these something under the tub and then something else to go on the floor. If, you, if you're kind of making a trail back and forth from, like, say, your bedroom to the bathroom or something, you can have uh, towels or, or this waterproof mat or these oilcloths or something thrown down on the floor to protect the carpet. And it basically, it just gives you uh, freedom to not worry about the carpet. Once you're deep into your birthing time, Maybe you're not going to worry about anything anyways, but at first you might be worried, you know, can't lose those inhibitions because then I might get something on the carpet and this just, this protects the carpet so you don't have to worry about it. We've, we've had a mattress protector, like just a plastic mattress protector. You can get those from the birth supply store too. 
over our mattress for a few days, but generally we take it off after a few days. It's good for the birth. And then I like it for like the first couple days when there's a lot of milk and there might be bleeding from mom that spills over the edge of a chucks or something. But then they, you know, they're, they don't breathe very well, so they get hot. So we take those off. And then I tend to just sleep on a chucks pad until I'm feeling confident that there's not going to be any leaks. Um, like from lochia flow after the birth, that's the postpartum bleeding after the birth. And I also usually sleep me and baby on one for the first couple of weeks, like up under um, under my torso and under baby's head because I have milk leak like crazy at night and we co-sleep with baby. If you weren't co-sleeping, it might not be as much of a big deal. But once once the milk's in and, and the milk supply has calmed down a little bit, I usually switch to having a large prefold diaper. But those chucks pads are nice to have for that. And the waterproof mats, mats at first when you really want greater coverage overall. My other crucial supply for birthing a baby is, is a straw. And I'm, I'm totally serious about this. Staying hydrated is so important. And and I have always felt like desperately thirsty between my rushes. I don't know if it's because I don't really, I guess, I don't know. I guess maybe I want to focus on something during the rush, during the contraction. And so I will moan. And one of the things that I always notice is that I'm thirsty. And maybe that's my way of not focusing quite so much on the intensity of the rush, but focusing on something slightly different. And because I'm also focusing on keeping my mouth loose and limp, that's something Ina Mae talks about in her books is keep that jaw loose and limp because that that keeps your bottom loose and limp. And so I guess I always get thirsty. And so between contractions, it's like I take sips of water, not gulps, just sips, you know, to help that parched tongue. And in and, and, and actuality, I'll tell you a secret, during Sadie's birth, it was my water bottle and not a straw. But during the other baby's births, it's been a straw. And then postpartum, uh, I, I always have like emergency on hand, which is kind of an electrolyte mix. And having a straw and nice cold mixed up, cold water with electrolyte mix mixed into it always tastes it always tastes so heavenly and just sipping it through that straw feels so refreshing. So I I love having a straw on hand at birth and they tend to come in birth kits. If you buy a pre-made birth kit, there tend to be straws and that's why they're there. They're there for you. Uh, so, you know, you don't want to fill up too much or if you're drinking a lot, you certainly want to make sure you're going to the bathroom because a full bladder isn't a good thing either. But, uh, but drink to thirst and go to the bathroom frequently. And then you're also getting up and moving to help baby move down. But those are, those are my essential essentials, like the bare necessities, which isn't really very much when you think about it. Because really, it doesn't take a lot to have a baby. You and your baby are doing the work. It's not, it's not this other stuff. But there are those things that I like to have on hand. Now, another thing that you might want and that I definitely like having uh, is a birthing tub. I have had water births um, with with my last five babies. My first two were, were land births. But since then I've had water births. I'm definitely a tub of the a tub of the fan. A fan of the tub. Uh, I like having a water birth tub. I like water birth. I would like to do maybe a podcast on water birth and water birth safety issues at some point. I think that that would be a good idea, but I definitely like having the tub on hand. And so if you want a tub, then you want the tub. 
obviously, and we could talk about an entire episode on tub choices, but you want the tub, you're going to want a hose to clean up the tub or, or to fill up the tub. Generally, you want two hoses, one to fill, one to, one to clean it out because the fill hose should be used only for clean water. Um, it shouldn't have ever had anything else through it. Now, the hose that you empty the tub with, that you siphon the tub off with, that, that hose can be a used hose, and that's totally okay. Um, some people worry, you know, where would I empty a tub into? But you can actually put the, put the siphon hose into the toilet and siphon off tub water into the toilet. Now, we... We've usually just emptied ours outside because it's not an issue, but you know if you're an apartment dweller or something, that is probably not going to work for you. So you can actually put it in the toilet and the toilet will just keep um, keep handling that water. Basically keeps kind of flushing it down as it comes in and then you have a nice, clean, easy way to get rid of the water after the uh, after the birth. I do think you should have extra towels on hand for a water birth just so that you can get dried off and get baby dried off when you get out. You are going to want a source of hot water because you don't want to be birthing in a cold tub. So that's important to think about. Some midwives recommend that you put salt in the water and like maybe for infection prevention or something. And uh, we actually had a big discussion about this in one of my midwifery classes lately. And, and essentially the research just doesn't really support um, that the salinity of a few shakes or even a couple cups of water is going to get the tub to that's not going to prevent or inhibit any bacterial growth and my instructor at least really felt like the the best idea for clean sanitary tub is a clean sanitary hose and that the tub has been cleaned and sanitized between births if it's being used for more than one mom and um, and, you know, she's talking about sanitizing with bleach and things. And I know that most of us are natural and holistic, but I I always feel compelled to clean with bleach near the end of my pregnancy. And, uh, and I definitely don't hesitate uh, to think about that with a birth tub. So I think that there is a time and a place for the heavy-duty stuff that you know is going to get it real clean and having a nice clean tub is is one of those places. Another thing that you might want is a birth ball. Birth balls are wonderful, versatile, good things to have around. And then there are other things that that you might have in your birth kit, especially if you've got an attendant. She might have gloves in there. Um, she might have um, like gauze pads and things. And and I think that if those are in your birth kit, those are, are helpful to have. I don't think you have to have any of that. I find that the gauze pads and things can sometimes be helpful for baby care postpartum or to go in the first aid kit. We've got some stowed up in the first aid kit. But really, as you can see from what I've talked about, we don't need a lot of stuff to have a baby. You just don't. What you really want is to make sure that those creature comforts are taken care of. And you probably do want something to give you energy, especially if your birthing time is getting longer. You want to have something quick for energy. So like a spoonful of honey is a is a standard midwife thing or toast and jam or scrambled eggs or yogurt and fruit. You'll notice I'm kind of talking about easy stuff. Uh, even in a jiffy, another one of my midwifery teachers has, she said that, you know, in a jiffy, go have somebody find the, the nearest drink vending machine or the nearest convenience store and get like a Mountain Dew or Sprite. Um, you, because basically you want that easy to get quick energy. 
is what's going to make a big difference for you during your baby's birthing time. So having something like that on hand, even if you don't do the whole styling your home birth, have it all set out pretty like you're waiting on a party to come, do have those things on hand. For postpartum, let's talk about a few things to have in your birth kit or in your baby welcoming basket postpartum. And I'm going to run through these pretty quick because I know that we're getting to the half an hour mark. But again, plenty of chucks, pads. I think it's a good idea to have those peri bottles. I like having peri bottles on hand. This is this is another thing that's so interesting, the things that we discuss in, in midwifery classes and midwifery groups. But this is another thing that this was like more of a commons area school discussion where there was an argument about whether peri bottles were good or bad because maybe you don't want to forcefully squirt the perineum but basically a peri bottle is like a little medical grade bottle that um, that can be used to squirt warm water out of or some midwives use it uh, to squirt olive oil out of either to support the perineum which I feel like research doesn't does not support supporting the perineum we can talk about that in another podcast episode or sometimes they'll fill it with a little bit of olive oil to squirt on baby's bum before you diaper baby back up which makes it so that the meconium won't stick to their bum but another use for a peri bottle is to actually literally squirt warm water once you've gone to the bathroom which means that you don't really have to wipe you can just blot and I really like squirting the peri bottle on postpartum because it just it means that you don't really have to wipe hard you can just rinse any any lochia any flow off and then uh, blot dry gently with tissue paper and it's just I think it's nice so I like having a peri bottle in my birth kit another thing kind of related to that is stretchy undies Um, hospital birthing mamas know what these are and also if you order a birth kit, probably there's going to be stretchy undies in them. They're just like these mesh stretchy undies that are easy to get on, easy to get off. They're disposable. They can be washed a few times, but they're disposable. So if they get badly stained, they can just go in the trash. And you know, when you're ready to go back to normal undies, you can just throw them away. But they're, um, they're a nice option because they stretch, they can accommodate a larger pad, uh, and again, if they get stained, it's no big deal, so you're saving your your normal pretty undies that you want to have for, for later. And then, obviously, pads or mama cloth, you, you don't really want to use a tampon or um, even something like a diva cup immediately postpartum. You want to use pads or mama cloth. Uh, I used regular, like, postpartum pads. With my first few babies, sewed up mama cloth right before my fifth baby's birth, Honor's birth, and I've used those same ones with Honor, Corwin, and Sadie. Really liked those, greatly preferred the the cloth mama cloth. (laughs) That sounds redundant, but the cloth pads. So that's just me, Um, but definitely have some sort of pads. A thermometer is a good idea to have on hand to check your temperature and also to do baby's underarm temperature periodically in the first few days. I think it's good to have a breast pump on hand, even if it's a manual one. That's all I've got is a little manual one, especially if you know that your body tends to produce a lot of milk. My body always seems to think that I've given birth to twins or perhaps even triplets, and there's just tons of milk when my milk comes in for a few days while my body realizes, hey, there's only one baby. And so pumping just a little bit to ease the engorgement really makes a difference for me. So I think that it's good to have, again, it can be just a little manual breast pump, but to have that on hand. Cotton balls um, or cotton swabs can be good for for baby, like for cord care. um, If there's any goop in baby's eyes or anything like that, supplies like that are nice. Diapers and baby clothes for baby. 
even if you want to keep baby super skin to skin, especially during the day when you're awake, that's good. But but maybe little gowns and things for, for at night uh, if you're worried that baby might get uncovered or something at night. Um, or, you know, if you're going out and about, you want baby clothes. So have baby clothes and uh, and the diapers. And then also EC supplies. If you're planning on ECing, just having a little bowl or something is a good idea too. I would say, oh, well, let's let's do the emergency. I already mentioned that. But I think the emergency is a good idea to have on hand. And emergency is like, it's like a little electrolyte packet, vitamin C drink. You can have anything like that that you want. It doesn't necessarily have to be that brand. That's just the brand that my midwife used with my first baby. And I've used that brand after every other baby. Now, she brought hers with my first baby and it was like some tangerine flavor, which I thought was horrendous. So I've bought my own after all my other babies so that I got a flavor choice. You might love the tangerine, but I did not. Um, but, but just something like that to help you get some fluid replenishment, to help you get some immune support can be a good idea. Cord care is another thing that I get asked about. My midwife includes an herbal cord care um, from Wish Garden Herbs in in our birth kits. I, um, I I didn't use that before we moved up here and had a midwife who used it and I think my baby's cords healed fine. So I really, th- and I didn't use alcohol or anything, you know, I just cleaned, cleaned them up, kept them dry, kept them clean um, with cotton swabs and, and like I used distilled bottled water so that I knew that the water was pretty clean. But really nothing super special like the, the herbal substance. So I think if you want to do an herbal cord care, you can, but I really don't think that it's necessary and they're often expensive. So that's something to look into and to think about. Um, is it really, you know, doing any good at all or is, is the body going to heal pretty well on its own? Uh, one thing that you definitely need is lots of food. It doesn't have to be this crazy set up like a party food, but have plenty of food on hand. Have some meals in the freezer. Uh, have snacky foods on hand. You know, a couple weeks before your due date, go to the store, stock up on yogurts and cheeses and trail mixes and that sort of thing. Um, if you, you know, if you're not going to put stuff up in the freezer, maybe you can line up a meal train, get that, get, or somebody else, get somebody else to line up the meal train, or maybe y'all grab a whole bunch of takeout menus and just have a basket of them right there and plan to do takeout. Whatever you do, make sure that there will be lots of food there, easy food if at all possible, so that you, uh, you can eat because you will be hungry. You need to, you need to support yourself as you heal. As your body returns to its pre-pregnancy state, as you get your milk supply built up, it really is going to take a lot for your body to do that. And you're probably going to be ravenous. Make sure there's enough food for you there. That is, that, I guess it doesn't really seem like a birth kitty thing, but definitely make sure that the food is there. Now, before we finish up, we hear, like you hear about tinctures and medications and things to have on hand, or, or maybe not medications, but tinctures for like medicinal reasons, such as say postpartum hemorrhage or something. Um, and really what I teach in my mom and baby birthing classes, what I think evidence shows is that in general, birth is very safe. And if you respect the physiology and especially the hormonal physiology of birth, that birth is going to be safe. And those things are not 
going to be an issue. We know that eating like a chunk of the placenta often helps for a lot of moms. And uh, I, I hire my midwives and really want them to stand back when I'm having my baby. You know, I want them to watch from a respectful distance, so to speak, because I've, I've had a bunch of babies now and, and I generally know what to do and know what I want to do. Um, but so I don't want them right there. I don't want their hands right there. I want it to be my hands. I want it to be my husband's hands on my baby. But uh, but I do want my midwives to be there in, in the end, you know, in case I need their advice on something. Like after Corwin was born, he seemed to be taking a minute to breathe and I wanted my midwife to come over um, and, and basically tell me he's doing great, which is exactly what she told me. Uh, but I, you know, I wanted to be able to look at her and have that unspoken interaction. And then also, you know, if there was a lot of blood or something, then I want my midwife to be on hand there. And I know what she's got in her birth kit to help handle that. So it's not something that I've ever felt like I should have shepherd's purse or something like that in my birth kit to handle a postpartum hemorrhage. I've always really felt that being there with my baby, that having a gentle birth, that respecting the birth, um, that respecting that hormonal flood after birth. I talk about all this stuff in depth in Mama Baby Birthing and how it creates safety. And even I've got an article on the blog on how to prevent postpartum hemorrhage where I talk about a lot of this. I'll link to all this stuff in the show notes. But really, I feel that that stuff brings safety and that that if you're having an unassisted birth, maybe you want to look into those things. But but please study what study what creates safety in birth first, and then the contingency plan. And if you're planning on birth with a midwife, study what creates safety in birth first, and talk with your midwife about her contingency plan because certainly she's going to have one. And sometimes, even in the perfect birth, there might be bleeding. But probably. You know, you're going to feel confident and be safe. So all that to say, usually, I, I definitely don't do like any labor preparation medication or any or, or, or tinctures or anything like that. And I don't have like anything postpartum hemorrhagey. If I've got tinctures on hand, it's like immune support tinctures. And I do usually have um, an afterbirth tincture. So I, I think it was Wish Garden, excuse me, Wish Garden Herbals After Ease tincture what I had after Sadie's birth because I've had some pretty serious after pains um, with with my babies and so I took that I, I did also do magnesium before Sadie's birth and I think that actually helped kind of with the with the after pains but I did also have that tincture on hand um, another thing is I had a lot of shakes like after Corwin and Sadie's births and my midwife gave me I think a white willow bark tincture to help take care of those shakes. And another thing that I've had is Arnica. Um, Some scientific studies have shown that Arnica doesn't work any better than a placebo, but I felt like it helped me. Arnica is kind of like to help with bruising and things like that. So that might be something to look into. So those are just some thoughts. But in general, as you can tell from this entire podcast, my birth kit's kind of minimalistic. I don't think that it really needs to have a lot of tinctures and herbs and things in it because I think that birth when it's in a nice, nice safe space, by which I mean, as I said at the very beginning, calm, quiet, and dark, that birth is not really very complicated and you don't need a lot. Um, you need somewhere mom feels safe and you need somewhere cozy and warm and well-fed for mom and baby after birth. And then you're pretty good to go. 
Okay, mamas, daddies, um, ladies and gents, little unborn babies who might be listening. With that, we're going to go ahead and finish up this episode. If you're interested in learning more, I talk a lot about this sort of thing in Mama Baby Birthing. Again, those are online classes, so you can take them wherever you are. And I do a live class every week and a live Q&A. You can check that out at mamababybirthing.com, M-A-M-A, babybirthing.com. Also, if you've got a minute, take some time, leave a review on iTunes, or even just share this episode or share another episode that you know will resonate with a friend so that more people get the word about the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast. More moms have access to the information on naturalbirthandbabycare.com, or even we have more moms jumping onto the scopes at Birth, Baby, Care on Periscope. Uh, However it is that you connect with natural birth and baby care, take a minute to share with a friend, with a family member, with your loved ones, how they can connect too, so that it will help them, so that it will help their babies, and so that we can reach more families in the world. I will talk to you next week, and please have a blessed week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.